0: This episode contains descriptions of body horror. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. The following is from the Scandinavian folktale, The Service of the Dead. The door was open, lights streaming from all the windows and the organ playing. She hastened inside and made for her seat but was surprised to find that she scarcely knew a single person in the church. The priest, who stood by the altar, had also been dead for many years. Hi everyone, I'm Alastair Murdon and this is Haunted Places Ghost Stories a Spotify original from ParCast. Ghost stories have arisen from every century and every corner of the world, from the streets of Victorian Whitechapel to the temples of Japan. Whether seated around the campfire or curled up with a pair of headphones, we return to them time and again to feel our skin crawl and our hearts race. Episodes of Ghost Stories are inspired by classic short stories from some of history's greatest authors. The following version is our own unique take. It may feel familiar in some ways and different in others. We hope you enjoy it. You can find episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today's spectral story is called The Service of the Dead, It's a Danish folktale of unknown origins, collected and published in 1896 by Scottish scholar William A. Craigie. It's a short story, but one with a haunting lesson. The living, are most unwelcome among the dead. Human's fascination with death dates back as far as recorded history. Where do we go when we're no longer alive? Perhaps the impossibility of answering this question is why we keep asking it. The service of the dead presents its own theory about where our dearly departed have gone and why we should leave them there. Coming up, a sister's squabble turns deadly. With Capella University's FlexPath format,
1: you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
0: Friar Jorensen concentrated as she lined up her Kager billiard shot. She only had two pins to knock down in order to beat her older sister, Sophie. The stakes were high the game's loser had to do all the chores the next day. But what's worse was that it was nearly Christmas, which meant the mornings were as dark as night and the barn was always freezing. Just as Fryer took her winning shot, their mother, Ula burst into the room with a reminder. Bed soon! The distraction caused Fryer to hit the ball off kilter and it flew to the floor. Mother! Fryer cried in frustration as Sophie laughed. Ula ignored them and added, The cows need milking before dawn. The girls obediently nodded, and Ula left the room as swiftly as she came. Sophie picked up Fryer's Kager billiard ball from the floor with a smirk. The goal is to keep the game on the table, she teased. I'll show you. Fryer seethed as Sophie lined up her shot. Sophie knew just how to push her little sister's buttons. But Fryer knew Sophie's weak spots, too. Ulla said they were just like the mythical swans that made the Northern Lights, always in competition to see who could fly further, faster, better. Sophie took her shot. When she saw the pins weren't going to fall, She helped them along by subtly bumping the table with her hip. As the two pins fell, she shouted, ''I've won! You're milking all the cows tomorrow!'' Sophie danced around the room, teasing her sister. Friar's cheeks flushed red and she stormed out. Friar jumped into her freezing bed. She didn't even notice the cold because she was burning with anger. Sophie was a shameless cheater, she thought, It always took the fun out of their games and humiliated Freya. But more than anything, Freya was angry with herself for letting Sophie get to her. Freya was still stewing when Sophie came to their room. Come now, don't pout. Freya rolled away from her sister to face the wall. She knew her silence would drive Sophie crazy, and she was right. Sophie pleaded, and Don't give me the silent treatment. Friar smiled to herself, but said nothing. Sophie begged her to come to the outhouse with her before bed. Again, Friar ignored her. Please, it's snowing and dark out there. I know you have to go too, Sophie cried, exasperated. Still, Friar said nothing. Sophie sighed. (sighs) Fine, but you'll be sorry if a ghost gets me." Sophie stomped from the room. Fryer rolled her eyes. When they were little, Sophie made up a story about ghosts that lived in the woods. She said they were always hunting for someone to scare to death. Because of Sophie's story, Fryer had been too scared to go to the outhouse by herself until she was a teenager. But Friar wasn't going to think about ghosts. The last thing she needed was Sophie getting into her head again. So she snuggled deeper into her sheets and waited for sleep. Her dreams were vivid that night. She stood in the midst of a ferocious blizzard, unable to see through the storm. Even the surrounding trees were swallowed by the snow. But then, a figure emerged from the whiteout. It was Sophie, wearing only her nightgown. Sophie's gait was slow and unsteady. She seemed disoriented. Fryer tried to run to her, but her body wouldn't move. Instead, Fryer was forced to watch helplessly as Sophie's legs gave out and she tumbled into a snowdrift. She lay still. And then, a shimmering silhouette rose from Sophie's body. It hovered above her corpse, rippling in the freezing wind. Friar watched it with grief-stricken awe. It was the most beautiful, devastating thing she'd ever seen. But Friar's attention was pulled to the woods as hundreds of distinct black shadows emerged. Their shape was vaguely human, with unnaturally long appendages. They advanced towards Sophie with alarming speed. The leader of the ghostly mob wore a priest's collar and just as it was about to wrap its spindly limbs around Sophie's body, Frya screamed. Frya woke with a start to her mother's blood-curdling scream. Her nightmare was over, but she'd awoken to another. Frya stepped into the freezing darkness, unsure how long she had slept or if it was now morning. Then she froze. Her mother was kneeling in the snow, beside Sophie's lifeless body. Friar gasped, wondering if she was still in her nightmare. But the biting cold chapped her skin and her mother's morning wails were too real. Panicked, Friar fell to her knees beside Ulla. Sophie's lips were blue and her grey cheeks were frosted with snow crystals. A frozen pool of blood formed a scarlet halo around Sophie's lifeless face. Frya realized she must have slipped on the ice, fallen, and hit her head on her way to the outhouse. And all because she wasn't there. Frya cried out in agony, begging Sophie to wake up. To her surprise, she heard Sophie's soft whisper in her ear. You'll be sorry. Friar yelped and scrambled to check Sophie for a pulse or for breath. Anything. But she had neither. Her sister's frostbitten body lay on the ground, lifeless. Friar's heart broke. It must have been the wind. Once inside, Friar lit a fire, made tea, and piled quilts on her mother. But when she ran out of tasks, Friar fell apart. She held her mother tightly, and the two wept together until the late morning sun finally shone over the horizon. As the glare hit her eyes, Friar whispered she would do anything to see Sophie one more time. To Friar's surprise, Ula pulled away and snapped, Stupid girl! Don't you dare wish the dead alive. You bring a curse on us. Ula's words stung, but Frya knew her mother was hurting just as she was. Rather than argue, she decided to make herself useful. The busier she was, the easier it would be to push Sophie's empty eyes and ghostly whisper from her mind. So she pulled on her blue cloak and hurried out. She was mindful to use the front door, lest she catch a glimpse of her sister's corpse in the snow. First she went to the church to ask the priest, Father Nigord, to collect Sophie's body. But afterward, Friar dawdled. She couldn't bring herself to go home, not while Sophie was still there. So Friar spent the rest of the day walking around her small town of Marriere, watching the neighbors do their Christmas shopping. But it was useless. Images of Sophie ruled her thoughts, and guilt tied her stomach in knots. If she'd just gone to the outhouse with Sophie, her sister would still be alive. By the time Freya passed the church on her way home, she was whispering aloud. She murmured again that she would give anything to see Sophie one last time. As she spoke, she felt a frigid breath in her ear. It was Sophie's ghostly whisper. You'll be sorry. The phantom murmur made Friar's heart race. Sophie? She cried. Show yourself. Sophie, I'm so sorry. Please, come back to me. A violent gust of wind knocked Friar to her knees in reply. She watched in shocked amazement as the gale ripped through the town square and flung the church's heavy door wide open. Friar stared at the church door, certain it was a sign. But if it was, what was Sophie trying to tell her? Should she go inside? She hesitated. No, no, she thought. She needed to get home. It wasn't fair to leave Ula alone with her grief. Friar decided she'd wake up early the next day and go to the morning service. Even if it wasn't a sign from Sophie, the only remedy for grief was prayer. At least, that's what Ula always said. That night, Friar and Ula ate their porridge by the fire in silence. The grief in the house was so heavy, Friar could hardly stand it. She ate quickly, kissed her mother on the cheek, then went to bed. It wasn't even 8 o'clock but the sky was as black as if it was midnight. Friar told herself she needed to sleep if she planned to attend the morning service. The next morning, Friar woke up to complete darkness and quickly pulled on her best dress and blue cloak. She was still hurt from her mother's outburst yesterday and was eager to leave before Ulla woke. So she took care to be quiet when she slipped out. When Friar arrived at church, She was surprised to find the pews already full. But despite the crowd, the chapel was freezing. Her eyes filled with tears as she recalled the last time she came to church with Sophie. Friar waded through the congregation and found an open seat in front. She dried her eyes and looked around. She didn't recognize any of the other churchgoers. Strange, considering she knew just about everyone in marie Finally, she saw an old neighbor, Josefina, seated behind her. Friar opened her mouth to say hello, then froze. She remembered something that chilled her to her core. Josefina died last year. Friar blinked and saw that part of Josefina's neck was disintegrating. Horror slowly dawned on Friar. As she looked more closely at the people surrounding her, she realized that their solemn faces were all in various stages of decay. Everyone but her was dead. Coming up, Friar struggles to escape the service of the dead with her life.
1: Hello, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala, and we're the hosts of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. You may know us from the very creepy and excellent podcast Red-Handed, but now we've teamed up with Parcast for an unprecedented look at history's most nefarious groups. Some preach extreme religious practices, others warn of impending doom, and then there are those whose endgame is far more diabolical. Every Tuesday on Sinister Societies, we take a peek behind the curtain and discover the most ominous organizations the world may or may not have known. Learn how entrepreneurial sects made fortunes off their brand. How charismatic cult leaders caught the eye of celebrities and why strange orders of the extraterrestrial or collegiate kind attract the most unlikely of followers. Some groups convene in the shadows. Others operate in plain sight All are absolutely sinister. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.
0: With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can
1: set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
0: Now, back to the story. Friar sat in the church pew, frozen in wide-eyed terror. She took in the rows of dead parishioners. Their winter clothes obscured much of their skin, but between the coats, scarves, and mittens, Friar saw greenish-gray patches of rotting flesh. Friar felt nauseous. She pinched herself to make sure this wasn't another nightmare. But the pressure only made her realize she was wide awake. Friar snapped out of her shock. Her mind screamed at her to run. But when she tried to stand, she couldn't. Her legs were stuck to the pew. She struggled, but the more she moved, the more stuck she became. It was as if she were a fly, tangling herself deeper into a spider's web. Friar frantically thrashed about until a low voice in her ear told her to relax. That's when Friar remembered Josefina, her old dead neighbor was seated right behind her. In a hushed voice, Josefina instructed Friar to sit still until the end of the service. Wait until the priest says amen, she advised. That will be your only chance to leave safely. This only made Friar's heart pound even harder. What did she mean safely, she thought to herself. But when she turned to ask Josefina this, Friar caught sight of an achingly familiar face in the last pew. It was Sophie. She stared straight ahead, fresh faced and glowing, a far cry from the decomposing bodies surrounding her, and from the bloody, frigid corpse that Friar saw yesterday. Friar nearly sobbed with relief. She'd gotten her wish, to see her sister one last time. Sophie must have led her here, to this service for the afterlife. Friar opened her mouth to call to her sister, but Josefina hissed in her ear. Turn around. They can't know that you don't belong, or you won't make it out alive. Friar's mouth opened in horror. Then she tore her eyes away from Sophie and faced forward. At the front of the chapel, Father Oman was approaching the pulpit. He'd been the priest when Friar was a little girl, until a horse had trampled him to death. As he turned to address the congregation, Friar gasped. One side of his face was completely caved in. Father Oman cleared his throat and began his sermon. The entire service was torturous for Friar. She longed to turn and look at Sophie sitting behind her, but Josefina's warning rang in her ears. Still, her mind raced, making it impossible to pay attention. And the congregation's singing was unbearable, like the screeching of a hundred suffering banshees. Worse still was the communion. Father Omund offered the parishioners actual pieces of flesh and a chalice of thick, clotted blood. When he arrived at Friar, she accepted the vile offering and swallowed, praying she wouldn't vomit. And all the while, Friar yearned to run to Sophie, to throw her arms around her and tell her she was sorry for letting her go into that cold, brutal night alone. But most of all, Friar wanted to tell Sophie that she loved her very much. The thought fortified her through the horrific service. Friar closed her eyes. Awaiting that magic word. Finally, Father Omund muttered, Amen. (laughs) Friar felt the phantom binding on her legs release, and she sprang out of her seat. She sprinted toward the back of the church before anyone else had even moved. When Sophie spotted her, Friar was surprised that her sister wasn't happy to see her. In fact, she looked Frightened. Then Friar realized, Sophie must think that she had died, just like everyone else there. Friar went to hug Sophie to assure her she was still alive. But when Friar approached, arms stretched toward her sister. Sophie drew back in horror. She bellowed, Leave! Get out! You'll be sorry! Friar felt the hair on the back of her neck stand up. When she looked behind her, she saw the entire congregation of dead parishioners were staring at her. A wave of panic tightened her chest. She turned back to Sophie, ready to tell her that they had to run, now. But Sophie interrupted her. Race you to the door, she said, and took off sprinting. Friar breathed a sigh of relief and ran after her sister eagerly. Before she knew it, Friar had followed Sophie outside the church and into the bitter, dark morning. But when she crossed the threshold, Sophie was gone. Before Friar could even look around, the heavy church door slammed shut behind her. Friar tried to pull the door open, but it wouldn't budge. She pulled and pulled, only to realize her blue cloak was caught in the frame. She tried to yank the fabric out, but it wouldn't give. Her frustration grew as she realized Sophie had tricked her. Hot tears of betrayal and loss fell, freezing on her cheeks in the morning darkness. As always, Sophie knew just how to push her buttons. But this time, Fryer wasn't furious. She was devastated. Friar kept pulling at her cloak until her fingers went numb from the cold. She was shivering so violently that her teeth seemed about to crack. So she unfastened the cloak, freeing herself. Then, leaving it stuck in the door, Friar ran into the icy darkness wearing just her church dress. Shivering, Friar arrived home to a worried Ula. Her mother hugged her and held Friar at arm's length, I woke up in the middle of the night and saw you weren't here. Where were you? I was worried sick. Friar started to tell her mother that she'd gone to church, but then she saw the clock on the wall. It was 7am. The morning service wasn't until 8. Friar's words were as jumbled as her thoughts. She couldn't make sense of what had happened. It was as though she was losing her mind, She told her mother she wasn't feeling well and wanted to go back to bed, but Ulla stopped her, insisting that she accompany her to church. The only remedy for grief is prayer, she said. Since Friar left her cloak behind, she had to borrow Sophie's. It felt macabre, but better than freezing on her way back to the church. On the walk, Friar replayed the horrifying night over again in her mind. She begged Ulla to let her go back home, but Ulla wouldn't stand for it. So Freya dutifully trudged on. Her dread grew as she approached the church steps. A small crowd of people gathered around the closed door. She soon saw why. Her blue cloak was still stuck in the frame, wedging the door closed. Ulla recognized the garment and looked quizzically at Freya, but Friar didn't offer an explanation. Nobody at the church had been able to get the door to budge. But someone had fetched a screwdriver and was working to free the door from its hinges. When they finally opened it, the waiting crowd collectively gasped. On the other side of the door, Friar's cloak was torn to shreds. Scraps of blue lay scattered across the entire chapel, as if the fabric caught inside was cut by a million blades. Friar swayed unsteadily on her feet, imagining what would have happened to her if she'd stayed inside the church a moment longer. At the thought, she said aloud, I wish you'd come back, Sophie. I need to thank you for saving my life. A fierce gust blew through the church in reply, whipping up the scraps of blue fabric. As they swirled around, Friar heard Sophie's phantom whisper in the breeze. You'll be sorry. Finally, Friar understood her sister's message. A tear fell down her cheek as she whispered. Okay, Sophie. I'll leave you be. During his lifetime, Scottish scholar William A. Craigie set out to preserve Scandinavia's folktales. In his collection, Scandinavian Folklore, he laments that so little has yet been done to bring the traditional beliefs of Scandinavia before the professed student or the more general reader. Craigie was right to be concerned, for there are valuable lessons to be learned from old stories like the service of the dead. In the original tale, Scandinavia's short winter plays a vital role. Confusing the dark of night with Denmark's dark winter mornings, a woman wakes up at the wrong hour for mass. Instead of her normal early service, she finds herself in a church packed with the dead. When she flees, her coat is caught in the door and the portion that remained inside gets torn to pieces. The shredded coat suggests a haunting alternative ending for the woman if she'd stayed in the dead's company any longer. And with it, a warning. That the living have no business among the deceased. In our adaptation, a separation between the dead and the living is essential. Ula warns that wishing the dead alive is akin to wishing for a curse, and when Friar continues to wish to see Sophie, her sister's ghost also sends warning. But the guilty Friar misinterprets her message as an accusation and unwittingly opens a portal into the service of the dead. Had her mind not been clouded by guilt, Friar might have been able to grieve Sophie properly instead of wishing for one last chance to see her sister and putting herself at risk. In this way, the service of the dead encourages us to mend fences with our loved ones while we can. Because there is no following them into the afterlife. So bury your hatchets and let the dead lie. Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places Ghost Stories. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free exclusively on Spotify. See you on the other side. Haunted Place's Ghost Stories is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brendan Hawkins, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Erin Larson. This episode of Haunted Places Ghost Stories was written by Janelle Malak, with writing assistance by Kate Murdoch and Alex Garland, fact-checking by Audriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden.
1: You aren't supposed to know about them, unless they want you to. Powerful groups with their own very specific agendas... And if you find yourself on the inside, good luck getting out. Hi, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Join us every Tuesday for our new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. Whether it's doomsday predictions, deadly greed, or world domination, each week we're exposing the beliefs and actions of the most ominous organizations the world may or may not have known.
0: Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.